Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show. Audrey Seek here with you on Mind Your Business. In 2023, Singapore's real estate sector confronted numerous challenges, including geopolitical tensions, sluggish global economic growth, high cost of living, inflation, and increased interest rates. All that plus the implementation of property cooling measures in April and a money laundering case involving over $2.8 billion in luxury assets, further contributing to the market's uncertainty. But despite these market challenges, private residential property prices rose 2.7% for the fourth quarter, pulled up by sales at new launches priced at fresh benchmarks in a low and slow market. Singapore Realtors Inc. or SRI also noted that the median price of new homes sold in 2023 was $2,445 PSF, up 15.5% year-on-year from about $2,100 PSF the previous year. So what is the outlook of property this year? Joining us in the studio to tell us more is Justin Quek, the CEO of Orange Tea and Thai. Welcome to Breakfast, Justin, and congratulations on your new role to kick off 2024. Thank you and a pleasure to be here. Wonderful to have you on. All right. So we have been following property market movements. Singapore really has been an exception worldwide during COVID. When you know, with the property boom, steady rise in prices, high demand. We finally saw some moderation at the end of 2023. What stood out for you in Singapore's property market last year? Okay, I think property always remains to be a, a hot favorite in Singapore. But there's a topic that's probably more... Um, Attractive these days is what you were talking about earlier on about the four-day work week, but let's not digress. Um, okay, let's break it down to in terms of performance and policy. I think in Singapore, we've always got to understand these two things, uh, actually policy first. After all, we are quite a regulated market. Mm-hmm. So on that front, before we get into how 2023 performed, maybe it's good for us to take a step back to understand what policies were introduced, right? So earliest in the year, of course, uh, the government gave us uh, the ABSD, revision, uh, which of course was mainly targeted at foreigners. Because for the first time in quite a long time as well, if you realise if you look at the first quarter um, performance, uh, we did see an uptake in terms of foreign purchases coming in quite strongly in the first quarter. So the government came in to react to it and responded accordingly by increasing our ABSD to 60% for foreigners. Uh, then after that, of course, we had the HDB policy. That was a big thing as well, the reclassification. That was something I think that was timely and also due because today, again, this is the privilege of Singapore, right? A lot of states, they used to just classify them between the distinction of mature and non-mature. But those lines were also starting to blur, right? Again, that is actually the privilege of uh, where we've been today with all the increase in infrastructure and amenities that surround what used to be non-mature estates, right? So today, you have to be a bit more able to discern and distinct yourself between the different estates. So having a trio of classification versus the old style of just having two classifications is one way to do that. Uh, more importantly, that's going to give more people access to different types of HDBs between the three classifications of plus, prime and standard. Uh, with that, having said that, of course, with privileges also comes some uh, penalties. In this case, of course, for the plus and primes, they have now imposed the 10-year MOP. Now, that to me is probably going to be the most interesting thing because if you studied the 
performance of the real estate market uh, in the last, say, seven years, because that's when the inclines have been carrying on since seven years ago. Uh, a lot of the market has been actually let what I call from push from the back, which is actually from the upgrading market. So if you look at prior to 2011, 2012, before the ABSDs were introduced, uh, the market was what I was always called pulled from the front. So you have the foreigners coming in, they are buying places at Orchard Road for like 4,000 per square foot when most of Singapore was still barely reaching 600 per square foot. So it was being pulled from the front. But in the last couple of years, it's been very different. If you notice, CCR or the high-end markets have not moved quite as fast as the OCR properties. So the big difference is now it's actually a domestic consumption and the market is being pushed from the back, coming up the stairs of uh, home aspiration and, of course, the different classes of real estate. Then, of course, some other things that, of course, were quite big in 2023 was, of course, the anti-money laundering. And you can see, actually, if you think about it, the ABSD came in quite timely at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think they were already probably suspicious by then. And maybe leading up to it, they were trying to quell a bit of that hot money coming into Singapore. Uh, then, of course, last but not least, we ended the year with uh, property tax, a little bit of a Christmas present, uh, property <laughs> tax revision. But again, if you think about it, it was also the appropriate thing to do because rentals, you know, our property tax is based on annual value, which is then based on the rental performance of property, right? And rental values have been increasing quite tremendously over the last two years. Suffice to say, it has slowed down this year compared to the last two years, which really took a steep incline. So hence, the annual values were affected. So again, then therefore, annual values were also increased. So that's why property taxes had that increase as well. Yeah, so I think these were some of the few things in terms of some of the policy and the macro stuff that happened in 2023. Performance-wise, 2023, um, very interesting as well because volumes have continued to trail down across the markets, whether it's new sales, resale, uh, or even HDBs. But you will see that prices continue to escalate. But in this case, 2023, I would say, was a pretty moderate year because prices didn't see that kind of sharp incline that we had in 2022 and 2021. Those were quite scary years post-COVID, right? So I would say that things have sort of moderated into more sustainable kind of trajectory in terms of volumes and in terms of prices. Uh, in most cases, when volume trails down, you will see prices coming down. But Singapore is one of those outliers, yep. right? We are able to buck that trend. But that's also, I think, kudos to the economy, but more importantly, employment Right, A lot of people like to look at the real estate market. For me, the precursor to what determines a real estate market, aside from interest rates and that macroeconomic environment, is actually really employment. Thanks so mm. much for that thorough break on 2023. But looking ahead as we enter the new year, you know, something market watchers are looking out for is the possible easing of interest rates sometime this year. Uh, do you think this will affect buyer sentiment? Will more be adopting the wait-and-see approach, perhaps? Okay, again, if we understand the Singapore market that is pretty much uh, regulated by policy, most of the investment, I would say, buyers, they have been weeded out, at least a majority of them. Of course, there are still hungry Singaporean families who want to still get into the game of property investment. Hmm. But I would say, just on a very broad stroke, right, 80% of the buyers today would be buying for own stay, hmm. for their own purposes. So interest rates, uh, you know, the performance of interest rates may not really deter somebody from trying to achieve their own life goals or just trying to shift homes because their sons or daughters are going to a certain school yeah. and they need to have that sorted. 
right? So interest rates, the only thing that it would affect probably would be their buying power, right? As you know, again, on the heavy regulation of our borrowing power in Singapore and ability governed by MAS, when interest rates go up, our TDSR calculations and all that also are adjusted. So then your buying power might be marginalized. Would that really stop you from wanting to make this move? Maybe, but I would say a high percentage, like I said, is based on like life aspirations Mm. or like family matters, right? Like kids going to school. You still have to make that move. So if you still have to make that move, then you have to make adjustments. So then I would think interest rates would affect more of where the people will be moving towards in terms of their affordability. More so than saying, oh, the market's going to take a wait-and-see approach. Yeah. Well, uh, we've also seen a rising supply of homes Mm. post-COVID, right? Uh, With more completed homes and new launches hitting the market. But because there's a lot of competition going around between the developers, um, how are they managing all of this availability? How does this have a big impact on how they price our new homes? Okay. Actually, if you look at 2023, we didn't have all too many launches. We just launched over 20 of our projects. All right, uh, and of which the supply was also not hitting the. We do have a ten-year absorption rate based on new launches, which is approximately under ten thousand units per year. In twenty twenty-three, we didn't even hit that mm. in terms of supply. In twenty twenty-four, we are definitely expecting to see that supply increase. Right, with a, a slew of launches coming in, we're expecting about over thirty launches. But again, judging from what happened this year. Uh, developers also, you must understand that despite them having a five-year imposition to build and sell, they still have a little bit of slack in terms of adjusting when they want to launch their properties. So Mm. we did note that in 2023, a couple of developers decided to hold back, right? Uh, Specifically so in the high-end markets, but we understand why now because, of course, of the very significant increase in ABSD. Uh, Because if you look at the high-end markets or units past 5 to 10 million, a significant chunk comes from foreign uh, absorption. So with that in play, I think some of these developers in the high-end properties decided to just delay their launches. So same thing for 2024, despite us seeing potentially 30 over launches, we expect probably over 20 launches instead. Right, so that supply is still there's still a little bit of slack and uh, flexibility from the developers' point to sort of adjust the supply. But again, going back to the context of that annual, uh, the ten-year annual absorption of slightly less than ten thousand units per annum, in twenty twenty-three we saw about I think close to seven eight thousand units supplied, and we're expecting over twelve thousand units supplied in twenty twenty-four. Okay. So if you take an average, you realize between the two years uh, we're quite adjusted. But I think the more important thing to note is that new supply also has to be compared to the context of how many units are coming in from TOP. Now, 2023 saw a huge, huge number actually of units TOPing. And that's expected to fall by more than half in 2024. All right. If you're just tuning in to The Breakfast Show, we are speaking with Justin Quek. He's the CEO of Orange Tea and Thai, chatting about what to look forward to in the property market this year. Justin, there's also been some anticipation over some major transformation projects uh, in places like Jurong Lake District. There's the goal of making it our second CBD, right? Um, your thoughts on these big master plans, do they have power to impact sentiment now and in the years to come? I think the Singaporean buyer is increasingly savvy. And today, you know, like you mentioned earlier on in a very competitive landscape where there are a lot of developments coming in, consumers, to be honest, are spot for choice. So when you've got grand stories like the Jerome transformation, it definitely has quite a bit of attraction and appeal. Uh, and that, what you mentioned, second CBD, um, you have to understand as well, if you take a look at it from a higher level, 
Singapore is also going through a transformation in terms of its economic breakdown, yeah. right? We are moving on into manufacturing 4.0 and stuff like that. So all these things are, I would say, quite sexy and trendy at the moment. So when you couple that story, that growth story with real estate, especially being built by a good developer, integrated with transport, you've got all those niceties coming in together. It really makes for a very, very compelling story to the savvy Singaporean. Yeah. And what about some of the changes to some of our most Mm. iconic areas like Pearls Hill in Chinatown? You know, now new HDB flats are going to be built there. The first ones in Chinatown in over 40 years. Uh, Can you elaborate on these efforts to preserve and modernize our property landscape? Sure. If we just talk about that counterbalance of conservation versus capitalism first, right, as a starter, I think that's always the toughest battle for any regulator or even private developer to try to find a balance on that. But I think one thing that I said in Singapore, we have to realize is that thankfully the government is still the master controller. And they've always mandated and imposed a lot of developmental controls, usually when it comes to such uh, conservation properties. You can see from the likes of even... uh, Golden Mile, for instance, mm. right, where you have to keep majority of the existing facade and structure and you're only allowed to build on an annex on the side. So I think with all these in control, uh, you don't really have to worry so much about that part. If you look at Pearls Hill, I think it's a beautiful site, really. You've got all that luscious green around you. You are transported straight away into an MRT interchange right in front of you at Ultram Park. Uh, you're also very, very, very close to the CBD You have all that heritage area downstairs at Chinatown. Mm. And if you want to look at conservation, there are actually only three so-called architectural sites uh, at that premise, which is the barracks and, of course, one conservation bungalow as well. Mm. And I think it'll be very, very interesting to see how the government really mandates for the developers and all. Maybe a master developer even to come in to sort of like integrate that whole concept together. Yeah. Um, You know, there's so much to talk about property, but we are out of time. But great insights on our property market and what to look out for this year. We were speaking with Justin Quek, CEO of Orange Tea and Thai. Justin, thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.